Welcome to InStep with Broadway Dance Lab, a podcast that explores the practice and process of becoming a choreographer. Today, a conversation with Al Blackstone. You know, I think it's balance. I think that for me, sometimes like right now, sometimes it can feel really difficult to wake up in the morning and read the newspaper. And We're living in a time where I think really tragic things are happening very frequently, and it increases my then need to provide the world with laughter or provide the world, like, to, to like give that. And I feel like I've realized that it's one way for me personally to deal with it. A New York City-based director, choreographer, and educator, Al is the recipient of the 2011 Capizio Ace Award for Choreographic Excellence. His work has been called sweet, silly, sly, and infectious by Dance Magazine. And while he has worked mostly in musical theater, Al's passion for contemporary and jazz dance have enriched his unique approach to storytelling. When I was a little boy, I wanted to be a writer, and I think that... um... I think in some ways that's part of the work that I make now, is that I, I like words and I, I like events and I like movies and I like plays and I like people and I think I like dance in context. I'm Nick Kepley, Director of Communications for Broadway Dance Lab and your host for today. Stay with us. Well, Al, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, the first question that I always like to ask people is how dance found its way into your life. Mm-hmm. So I literally was born into a uh, dancing family. My parents um, just retired from having a school for 44 years, a dance school at the Jersey Shore. Wow. Um, and actually my mom's first, uh, they met in the 1970s in Charles Kelly's jazz class, um, which oh I, I like, like love thinking of that. Yeah. Uh, my dad was definitely wearing jazz pants um, <laughs> and my mom was wearing shimmer tights, I'm sure. And they met in New York dancing together uh, in class. And uh, my mom opened up a school in the 1970s and they were shortly were, after were married. But the first studio was a, an attachment to the house that they were living in. Mm-hmm. So m- my house that I grew up in f- until I graduated high school actually had a dance studio in it. Wow. Um, so literally, yeah, the wall that had, it was an extension of the house. So the wall that uh, you had a window in my bedroom, the window instead of going outside went into the studio. <laughs> wow. So did you like see them dancing and were like, yeah, what are you guys doing? Or there like- was a shade and sometimes I would like pick up the shade and peek while the girls were at bar and mm-hmm. try to cause menace. But, um, it actually like thinking about it now, I, I spent a lot of time just going in the studio. Uh, I didn't have a lot of friends in the neighborhood. I wasn't really an outside kid. Uh, so I spent a lot of time in there just like dancing to the Prince soundtra- uh, Batman Prince soundtrack. Um, <laughs> and, you know, sort of making up dances and playing were the same thing yeah. for me growing up. So I was just born right into it. Wow. And and your parents were your teachers then? Yeah, my dad was my first teacher. And then I had my mom and my sister later. Wow. Was that ever hard for you? Or what was that like? Yeah, it was. I, I think I just took dance for granted in a big way um, because it was just such a big part of my life. And I, I was for a long time, just a little kid in the back of the room sort of spinning around, mm-hmm. like looking into space. I wasn't really focused. Um, and I think my parents were really hyper aware of not showing too much favor uh, to me and my sister. So we kind of had our own journey. And then when I got more interested in it later, they were very, very willing to sort of like give me everything I needed to succeed. But they let me find it myself, which I'm grateful for. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah, it was hard. But I was lucky because I was the only boy. So I just automatically got attention. You right. know, I didn't mm-hmm. have to feel... You know, I, I never felt looked over. Um, 
and I think it was hard. I think it was hard for my sister to teach me because I just didn't want to listen to her. She was six years older than me, and um, I was probably probably a brat in her class. <laughs> um, but but nothing nothing that we couldn't handle. And we were very close. Right. Yeah. And then did uh, did you go to college? I did. So I I graduated high school and I went to NYU Tisch. Okay. Um, in dance or in theater? Studying or? dance. Okay. And um, it was an interesting time. I, I got to school uh, in, you know, the first week of September, and it was 2001. So it was September 11th happened right after I got wow. to NYU. Wow. So it was a very sort of, um, you know, just strange time mm-hmm. uh, for the world and, of course, for me personally. Um, and I was only there, though, for a semester. I got this um, an internship, basically, with Tremaine Dance Conventions, and um, I my plan was to do first semester NYU and then to go work for Joe Tremaine and then go back to school. Um, and, uh, I actually ended up never going back. Um, but that short period of time at NYU was probably one of the richest educational experiences I ever had, both in what the, hap- both in what I was exposed to in the program, but also just the people that I met. Um, I moved in next door to Heather Lang, who's become a really close friend and, and collaborator of mine. Um, and she, sort of introduced me to New York club culture and house music, and um, they would just improv in her dorm room all the time. <laughs> and I learned as much in her dorm, I, I like to say I learned as much in that dorm room as I did at the NYU Tisch Dance Building. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's funny, I, you know, I didn't really want to go to school. My mom kind of made me. It's the first time in my life she ever was like, you have to do something, like, have to do this. Mm. And I, I'm so grateful because I did learn so much, but, you know, life sort of took me in another direction, and and I, I, I certainly feel like if I hadn't gone to that school at that time and had that experience, I don't think that I would have ended up back in New York and sort of doing what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. So when you didn't go back to school, did you were you audition, Did you start auditioning or what happened? I moved to Los Angeles. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I moved to Los Angeles. Um, I met some people when I was working for Joe Tremaine and they were moving to L.A. And I sort of just had this feeling that I didn't want to come back to New York and um It was close to home. I grew up in New Jersey, so Mm -hmm. it was only an hour away, and I just felt this need to be away um, and and just be in an environment that was really foreign. Mm -hmm. And so I went, and I also, at that time, I I had this fantasy of, like, being in a jazz dance company, which they didn't really exist. (laughs) I had this idea that they did, and I, you know, I knew that there were some in Chicago. At that time, there was, like, River North and Hubbard, which are still there, but uh, I don't know. I, I don't really know what I was doing, to be honest with you, but I, I did study there and I learned how to do my laundry and I learned how to sort of take care of myself and um I cooked a lot and met some incredible people and and was exposed to just a lot of dance styles that I think I I wouldn't have been exposed to if I had stayed in New York so Mm -hmm. it was a good a really good experience for me and by the time I came back to New York I sort of realized oh I think I want to do musical theater and that's how I came back around to New York and and uh, sort of had a new focus yeah and so you did Wicked. How did that come mm-hmm. into your life? Um, it took me a long time to get that show. I, I auditioned mm-hmm. for it, uh, you know, like eight times over many years. Mm-hmm. And um, and so it was one of those things. It's, it's important. I think it's a good story because I many times was like, why should I go back? You know, mm-hmm. they haven't hired me yet. Why should I go back? And um, thankfully, over all of those years, it was probably over four years, I finally got that job. But... Um, it, it, what it, did keep you going back? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, they always kept me to the end. So, I, right. you know, it's like you, and you would feel like, oh, my God, maybe this is going to be the time. But I just always loved that choreography. It was one of those auditions where I just felt really good doing that movement, and I felt confident, and it felt right. And 
And I just, I was persistent. I think there was something inside of me that knew that I just had to keep going. Mm -hmm. But I I think if I'd not gone to that eighth call, I really don't know that they would have hired me. You know, it's one of those things. You have to be so persistent. And um, I'm glad I was because I learned so much in that process. And I got to go on tour, which was a dream Mm -hmm. of mine. And Mm -hmm. I got to be there with my best friend, which was incredible. And um, Did you do it on tour and in yeah, on Broadway? Yeah, I did it for a year on tour and then came to New York. And uh, a couple months later, they brought me to the Broadway company. And I did that for eight months. Uh, and then shortly after that, I actually transitioned pretty rapidly into choreography. So mm-hmm. it was kind of the last theater job I had. Yeah. What was, um, like, was there anything eye-opening about being on Broadway? Fi- I mean, I feel like so many people, you know, it's the dream for so long. Oh, yeah. And, then, and yeah. then it's a reality and it's different maybe. Yeah, or... I think it's interesting because I... It was uh, physically really hard for me. I, I was dealing with injuries in the show. I had a lot of lifts. And so I remember that period as I was so relieved to have made my debut. Mm-hmm. And it is such a thing that we all aspire to. And, and we, we want to just check that li- off the list, right? We just want to get that so badly. And I certainly felt a sense of relief and a, a sense of um, pride, of course. You know, it's a dream come true. But it came with also a cost. And, and I think... Um, you're also realizing, like you know, everyone always says, especially a long-running show, you're not necessarily in the happiest environment, right? I mean, there were definitely people there that were really tired and been there a long time, and really, you know, you lose sight of that um, that sort of twinkle in your eye when you think of a Broadway show, and it really is a job, and it's hard, and it's the opposite schedule of the, as the rest of the world, so mm-hmm. it's really hard to maintain a social life, and it's hard to miss weddings and miss, you know, b- birthdays and and all those things. And it's it's a beautiful life, but it definitely there was a reality check. I think when I got there, um, but I also made some incredible friends, and and I love the work ethic of not just the performers, but the people and the crew and the dressers, and it's this entire community of people that you don't realize exists until you're spending every day with them, and mm-hmm. um, and I loved that about it, and I'm really grateful for my time there. Yeah. So you were saying you then you moved into choreography. Like, how did that begin for you? Well, I'd always done it because my parents had the school. So mm-hmm. when I you know was auditioning and I always taught and choreographed and I always liked to do it. And I think my plan was I'm going to, you know, uh, I'm going to perform in New York until I'm 30 and then I'll start transitioning into choreography. Um, but the truth is when I look back on it, I mean, I missed a lot of auditions because I wanted to be teaching and doing choreography. You know, Mm -hmm. I was always really torn between the two. And, um, when I was in Wicked, I had uh, a friend of mine um, who, who was actually Mandy Moore, uh, who choreographed La La Land. She had seen some of my work at a dance competition, at like a dance convention that I had done for my mom's kids, and she really liked it. And she'd sort of reached out to me and just said, like, I think you're, you know, good at this. And there was this competition where they still have it called the Capizio Ace Awards. And they, at that time, were holding them in New York, and they give uh, money to up-and-coming choreographers to make a show. So she was like, I think you should enter. And I was in New York, and I, you know, I had never really worked with adults before. I had only worked with kids. Mm-hmm. And so I found myself, like, I had some money, and I, and I had some friends that I think, and some former students that were, like, studying dance in New York. And I thought, maybe this is the right time for me to do this. And they gave me the personal days to do the, to do the competition. And I became a finalist, and, uh, and I actually ended up winning it, uh, which was incredible because they gave me $15,000 and Rosalind Ballroom. Wow. So I, I had a year to make the show. The best part of that story is that I actually left Wicked before I won. I was in the process of making the piece, mm. and I just had this feeling like that I am very, very happy doing this, and I think it's time for me to let Wicked go. And um, I wasn't necessarily going to uh, leave performing, but I definitely realized that like something had awakened in me that mm-hmm. I really loved. And then 
and so I was like, people were like, what are you crazy? You're going to give up this job and this stability and insurance and you don't have another job and what is wrong with you? And, and then I won the thing. <laughs> wow. Um, and I'd never choreographed anything longer than three minutes in my life. And suddenly I had to do a full evening, that, yeah. you know, in New York. Uh, so how, you, what was that? Like they just, it was literally just carte blanche. Like you just do whatever you whatever. wanted. Whatever. Wow. Yes. It was insane. It's an amazing prize. It's an amazing prize. Does it still happen? It still happens. Wow. Yes. Now they, uh, they hold the, con- the contest in uh, LA, Okay. but, um, but they still do it every year. Um, so when you found out you won, like, how did you start that process of Nick, building it that? was it was terrifying i mean it, i literally i called my boyfriend at the time right after he was doing a show out of town and i called him after i won and i said i, I think i'm a choreographer now <laughs> <laughs> you know it's like i don't think i can ignore this sort of like this is a big gesture from the universe that this is what i should be doing and i was terrified and and luckily you know he the beautiful thing about that relationship um was that you know, he just exposed me to so much theater and we were seeing a lot of plays and he was very, very brilliant, smart guy. And, um, and a, a really dear friend of mine is also a playwright. And I just sort of asked for help and said like, these are the things I want to do. And, and so they co-wrote the show with me and I just, I asked my friends to be in it. And at that time, no one knew that I even choreographed really, you know, it was mm-hmm. sort of like, a, I wasn't teaching in New York. Um, so for me to be asking people to dance for me, you know, it's very different than when I ask for people to dance for me now. You know, people really took a leap of faith to say, sure, I'll do this thing for you at Roseland Ballroom. Like, what is your choreography like? <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was lucky that people said yes. And, and I took, it took me a year and it was a gift from the universe because it was like going to school. I mean, I learned so much about what it takes to make theater what it takes to make dance that tells a story about what kind of story I wanted to tell and like what kind of choreographer I wanted to be and um the most vivid moment is that we were at tech the morning of the show and someone handed me a microphone you know the, the lighting designer Corey Paddock handed me a, t- a microphone and I had never run a spacing I'd never run a tech I'd never had a microphone in my hand I mean wow. literally I just I was you know as Trial dancer, by fire. Yes. Yeah. And, and that I think was like, okay, well, I guess we're going to, I'm going to figure it out. And I didn't see that one, but I saw Freddie Falls in Love, yes. which was very sort of narrative and in sort of yes. a linear fashion. Was Happy Will Be that way yes. too? Yes. Yes. Okay. Happy Will Be was very similar. And then just talk to me about like how you actually built the show. Like you, did you have the storyline idea already or did you listen to the music and then the story came or how did that happen? Yes. So I was, um, Essentially, my dad, this is kind of a personal story, but my dad um, had to have uh, triple bypass heart surgery. Mm. And I was in Israel um, teaching, actually. And I was actually in this beautiful, the Suzanne Dalal um, Art Center, which is where Batsheva rehearses. And I was sitting and I was journaling and I was literally reflecting on how I felt like um, I really needed to make work that was personal. And I wanted to make work that was personal. I didn't feel like I was at that moment. Mm -hmm. And that evening, I got the phone call that my dad was going into surgery. I needed to come home. I came home. While my dad was in surgery, he's fine. He did great, by the way. Mm -hmm. But while he was in surgery, I got the phone call that this project was canceled. And I literally went to my parents' house on their couch that night, and I started to write Freddie. I mean, it just sort of felt like it was this very intense meeting of things that happened that... And Freddie sort of just, I knew that I wanted to make a show about a guy that couldn't get off of his couch, a guy that was really sad. And, you know, I love, I attach meaning to different songs and I sort of can see theatricality in different pieces of music and I'm very good about keeping them organized. Mm -hmm. And so all of these sort of songs started to fit together and sort of bup, 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 bup. 
I could sort of so, start to see the thing forming. And um, it happened pretty quickly, actually, and uh, meaning the story. Mm-hmm. And then I could start attaching, oh, who could play this and who would play this? And, you know, the thing sort of started to have a life and started to feel like something that I could see and visualize, and I just mm-hmm. went with it. Mm-hmm. Do you ever feel like... Um because I know what you mean about I definitely feel like art comes from a personal place or the best kind mm-hmm. does. Like sometimes I, I feel um, strange about the fact that times in my life when I'm going through really hard things, like you're saying mm-hmm. when you built Freddie, can sometimes be the best moments to make the art. And I'm like, does it ha- do I have to be so sad <laughs> and struggling to make good art? Or, you know, yeah, like do you ever I feel th- that way? Yes, I think that's actually a really good point. And, I, and I've asked myself that same question. It's like, you know, but but I but at the same time, like the first show I made was come from a very very happy place. Like I had just fallen in love, and I wanted to make a show about what that felt like. But I, you know, I think it's balance. I think that for me, sometimes like right now, sometimes it can feel really difficult to wake up in the morning and read the newspaper. And we're living in a time where I think really tragic things are happening very frequently, and it increases my then need to provide the world with laughter or provide the like to to like give that. And I feel like I've realized that it's one way for me personally to deal with it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, um, I certainly have had moments where I've tried to dig, dig into pain and make pain or not make pain, but represent, you know, something tragic for me, but it always ends up somehow my lens always ends up sort of turning it into something funny, right? Mm-hmm. Like Freddie falls in love was about a, a breakup. It was about something really, really difficult for me to, th- th- that I had to go through. And yet still the show sort of ended up being like very funny. Right. So, you know, I think I'm, I'm grateful for in my process that things that have been very challenging have made me like vehemently want to make work, but then the work ends up becoming light somehow. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's how it's gone so far. Um, so when you are actually making the steps, like, do you like to plan everything before you start (laughs) working with the dancers or do you go in kind of just working with them in the moment or? I think it depends on the amount of time, Mm -hmm. right. That I have to make something, but, um, I am very collaborative, as I'm sure a lot of the choreographers that you've spoken to have mentioned. Uh, you know, and I've been lucky enough to work with dancers that I have close relationships with, for the most part, at least with Freddie and Happy Will Be. And so there's a trust level that is very high. And so I, I, I tend to feel like if they know who they're playing and they know what the what the the goal is it sort of eliminates a lot of guesswork like Mm -hmm. would in this moment would this person move like this and I think instinctually you can tell when something feels right or doesn't feel right I do love to plan I love to know what's happening I love to know like what's on stage I don't like to walk into a room and have no clue Mm -hmm. although one of my favorite things to say in a rehearsal is I have no idea what I'm doing (laughs) and I say it a lot Mm -hmm. um, because I just want to make it clear like I I really I'm still playing and I'm still exploring I I don't have all the answers and it's not I don't think it's my I don't want to have all the answers you Mm -hmm. know I want to work with people where we can find the answers together but where they trust me enough to let me edit and to let me say I don't think this is working Mm -hmm. or say like I have an idea and I think you know um, and I think that figuring out how to maintain that kind of a room is the biggest challenge of making anything Mm -hmm. the biggest challenge is feeling like people can participate but also being able to say like I actually don't think that that's working and not <laughs> not hurt someone's feelings right or, you know um but I do plan I mean my teacher was Andy Blanket Bueller and I I mean I learned very deeply from him about the power of preparation and the power of really knowing as much as you possibly can about something before you share it mm-hmm. and um and I think I've I'm constantly finding the balance of what that means for me because I think you can plan something and then you in, literally in order to throw it out. 
Did you know that Broadway Dance Lab is the only nonprofit of its kind, created for the development and enrichment of choreographers and dedicated to promote the use of dance in musical theater storytelling? We're proud to have already been able to support great artists such as Andy Blankenbuehler, Lauren Lataro, Camille Brown, and Marcelo Gomez. But there are many more choreographers to discover and many more steps to be made. If you believe in our mission and would like to become a donor, please visit broadwaydancelab.org slash donate. Thank you, and here's to more dancing. So I really want to hear about all your experience with So You Think You Can Dance, mm-hmm. because that's very unique to you of the people I've spoken with on here, and, and I'm just curious like what that process yeah. is like. And yeah. yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting part of dance culture. I just had lunch with my sister today. She took me to lunch for my birthday, which is on Sunday. Oh, and happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> and she, um, I think this is actually a funny story, she was going to see Pina Bausch, and she had an extra ticket, and she met this woman who at the box office who was looking for a ticket and my sister very graciously gave her the ticket and so she was this intellectual woman I think she was uh, getting her master's in choreography at a university in her 40s and they sat together and they were doing lots of chatting about being a choreographer and she had mentioned to her to this woman that I was a choreographer um, but the woman was talking about how difficult it is to be in a dance culture where people's main goal in life is to be on So You Think You Can Dance <laughs> and yeah. my sister and I had such a great laugh because you know I mean it, it is um, certain and, and I think people have many feelings about it and and it very conflict many conflicting feelings about it but for me i grew up watching it and i loved it and um i learned a lot from it and it, it was very inspiring for me so my experience doing it was you know it was a dream come true i mean it was on it was as exciting f- you know for me to do that as it was to make my broadway debut and thankfully I've had a really positive experience just with the people, and it's been a very creative experience for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, that's, you, what did you learn from it? I learned that to trust my instincts because there's just no time. Yeah. There's no time to second guess, and there's no time to micromanage, and you have to trust the dancers. And sometimes the dancers, you have to know that they're going to deliver in that moment. But that, you know, I think the thing that's it, it's very challenging physically for those kids, and you can't have a rehearsal necessarily where you're going to where you're going to see everything that you need to see in that moment. And Mm -hmm. so part of it is also for me, like I have to trust that they're going to, that they hear me and that they're going to deliver. And they always do. Mm -hmm. Um, How much time do you actually have? um, You get um, about, I'd say total five hours. Wow. And the the dances are, how long are they? Uh, They're a minute and 40 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And and to get on the show, did you have to just submit video of your work or Yeah, it was sort of a, a long process of I had a student of mine, Jess Prado, uh, who I like did his solos when he was in high school in New Jersey and he's one of my favorite uh dancers and people. But he got on the show and when he got on the show, he asked me to choreograph all of his solos prematurely. Okay. So they saw my work on the show because he was doing my work. And so that's I think how Jeff Thacker, who's the producer, got to sort of know my name and then I did present for him uh, here in New York a couple of times, and then I also did the show in Vietnam, which mm, um, wow. is affiliated with the show here, but it's a, sort of a franchise. So he's involved, but n- not producing it. And just it was really just over time. I mean, I don't know I, uh, what was the one thing that made him decide, because it's really he really kind of decides, mm. uh, what made him decide to take the chance on me, but... Um, mm. But, you know, once I was there and we worked together, it went really well. And it was, for, I think, a good fit for me because I, I love the show. I understand the show. And I, you know, was willing to 
take chances, I think, in a way that they responded to. Yeah. And they classify you as a musical theater choreographer yeah, on they, that? Yeah, well, they refer the to it as Broadway. Broadway, okay. Which I, <laughs> I, I, I find, feel strangely about, but yes, uh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, like, what does that mean to you? Like, I mean, I feel like it's interesting with that show because they're not, they aren't singing, which not that you have yeah. to, but, like, you know, how do you make it Broadway, quote-unquote? Like, it's hard. I mean, that's a very good question. Yeah. For me, I, I think, you know, I mean, thankfully, I, everything I do is story-driven, so I think that the sense that they're playing a specific character, right, that something changes in the in the dynamic of what they're doing, that there's, like, events that change their behavior for mm-hmm. me. And I think that there's a classic jazz vernacular. Like, that is, those are the things that I try to deliver that I think keep it in the Broadway world. Um, sometimes I will do a song from a Broadway show. A lot of times it's not. It'll be an old standard or something. But I think if it references back to classic Broadway or classic Hollywood and there's some acting in it, I think I'm pretty safe to say it's Broadway. That, that's sort of how I have approached it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And do you pick your own music? or? I, yeah, I, I pick, like, I'll send them five ideas, and then they sort of say, we like these, let's clear these. And then, um, and then depending on who I get, we go with one song or the other. Okay. That's yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And you can, and they like build all your set pieces or whatever yeah, you crazy. want. Yeah, it's crazy. You like, ask for something and it appears. Yeah, that's it's amazing. pretty amazing. And and it's, you know, it it's been fun to sort of like leave the New York world and visit that world and and but that it's something that all of my friends here and my family here can participate in, right? It's it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, do yeah. you do you feel like that show has had an impact on the industry at large? I think that that show has had a huge effect on dance uh, dance training and sort of like um, the way people think of dance in America, I think especially in the suburbs. I think, you know, um, and hey, I mean, I think it, it's affected my career and, and I'm someone that's, you know, trying to work in theater and, and work in concert world. And, and so I think it, it's, it affects I think it, it's a chain reaction. I think that it has made people, in a similar way that American Idol did, think that they know a lot more about dance mm-hmm. than they do. Like, they have braver opinions because they're watching dance on a regular basis and they listen to people talk about dance. And so then they sort of, which I think is good. I think that anything that is putting dance on television and making people excited about dance is positive. Yeah. Um, and it's certainly been a positive ex- uh, influence on me, both before I was on the show and after. So. Um, I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah. Well, one thing I think is really cool about your career that I was just thinking as I came here is how you've made so much work, um, so much narrative dance that isn't necessarily based in like a book musical. Mm -hmm. I mean, has that been like a uh, like a conscious choice on your part to do that or, or has that just kind of naturally happened or when I was a little boy, I wanted to be a writer. And I think that, Mm -hmm. um, I think in some ways that's part of the work that I make now. Is yeah. that I, I like words and I, I I like events and I like movies and I like plays and I like people and I think I like dance in context um, and so yeah I, th- I I started experimenting with narrative work when I was doing dances for my mom's dance school you know um, when I was a teenager and and I I I feel very excited by it and it's I think it's going to be continue to be where I, the, dire- the direction that I go in. And I think a big aha moment for me was seeing Matthew Bourne Swan Lake um, mm. in high school. I saw it three times. I mean, it just completely blew me away. Mm. And that's a very similar, you know, there's no dialogue and it's all, and there was comedy and it was sort of strange and, and dark and, and beautiful and it meant something to me. And I think I was also realizing I was gay and watching mm. this, you know, I mean, it was just like very much a, a huge part of uh, what inspired me to want to be a choreographer. Um, and yeah, I think I've been really lucky in the sense that people have 
there have been times where I've been given an opportunity to make a dance. And that's always a gift, right? Mm -hmm. And I have found that the way that I feel most inspired when making something is when I know what the story is. Mm -hmm. And I also love being able to connect to audiences that way. Mm -hmm. Do you ever find, like, when you're making narrative dance, do you ever struggle with, like, it not just becoming pantomime? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like sometimes that's a trap that you can fall into. Like, how do you deal with that? I think I just try to remain really sensitive and aware. and, And the second something doesn't feel right, you know, like anything else, it's like any other step. If it feel if it starts to feel not natural, or if it doesn't f- feel good to the performer, um, then we edit it. But I think you know, I think it's there are also some performers that can really get away with more than others, mm-hmm. right? It, it takes a certain kind of balance, mm-hmm. um, and I'm always constantly f- trying to find that balance when I'm yeah. making something. What do you look for in a performer? Oh boy, number one, I mean, I I I think realizing about myself that I am pretty intuitive about people or, or um, sensitive around energy. And so um, number one, I just, someone that is good to be around and that feels good and is positive and comfortable in their skin. Mm-hmm. Number one, mm-hmm. um, because I want to feel comfortable in the room and I want to feel like I can be myself. Um, someone who's curious, someone who um, is willing to look like an idiot <laughs> you know, someone that doesn't take themselves so seriously and someone that's willing to sacrifice technique, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. I, of course, like, I, I want dancers to have incredible technique, but I want them to be able to let it go if I need them to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think also just dancers that approach things from an actor's point of view, you know, which I think why living in New York has been the place for me is because there are so many performers here who are so many things. You know, you have to be so many things. So they think like actors, but they can move like dancers and... Um, and I, I like that a lot mm-hmm. and I'm inspired by that. So, uh, you know, another thing I really like about you is that you're, you sort of have this very, this very old school aesthetic, you know, just to your personal life and your persona. Thank you. Um, and I'd be very curious to hear about some of your, your influences Ooh. Um, <laughs> in, in all areas. Old dance school, or... you mean just sort of like classic, like you have to be more specific. What do you mean? Well, like... I just, I just feel like you have a cool like vibe, like just, just as a person. So I'm just <laughs> curious. Like, yeah. Like, like where did that come from? Who are you? Like, yeah. Inspired I, by? who am I? I mean, definitely, you know, I grew up watching the old movies of course so that's a big part of it and I and I think um man I mean you know my parents were very New York based and we came here a lot so we would come on in the on the weekends and my dad would take me to museums and my mom and sister would take dance class but I was really lucky because my sister became really involved sort of in modern dance and went in a very different direction uh, than sort of the one that we were being raised in. So through her lens, I got to be exposed to a lot of sort of other kinds of dance. And my dad has always been interested in a million different things. He like collects National Geographic and he makes jewelry and he's just sort of like always has a million interests. And so he's very engaged in the world, like in many ways. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my mother was just like incredibly social, incredibly exuberant and like very much loves people and loves showering people with affection and loves dance and loves musicals. So I sort of had this incredibly very uh, eccentric um, home Mm-hmm. Uh, which I feel really, really grateful for now, especially a home where they um, had a school, so they would bring their friends to t- come teach at the studio. So, like, Frank Hatchett would come and Sheila Barker and Jermaine Salzberg and Sue Samuels and these sort of New York dance 
people would be at my dinner table. Mm -hmm. And I was like seven and eight, nine years old sitting at the table listening to people talk about dance and talk about New York. And so I got really lucky in that way. When I think about it now, it's sort of the perfect environment for a young person to grow up in that was going to end up being a choreographer. Yeah. Um, so spoiled, right? Yeah. But then as far as like, I mean, I don't know. I, 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 I love Wes Anderson. I love Woody Allen. I love Matthew Bourne. I love, um, I love dance so much. Mm. And I think I have just had a very um, intense hunger to continue evolving. So whether that be through dance or even just through my personal life, I think I, I need to be stimulated constantly and feel like I'm growing and feel like I'm in, being challenged. Mm -hmm. um, but what I've learned in the last few years especially is that I also have to have fun. Hmm. and that that's a part of who I am and the kind of life that I want to live. So um, I go out dancing a lot, and I love doing that, and I have friends like that just that are really great, positive, interesting people that expose me to weird things all the time. And, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know. It's hard, to, it's hard to pinpoint sort of the things that make you who you are. Yeah. Um, but I know that I am surrounded by, thankfully, some of the coolest people I know. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and that, that definitely helps, right, when people push you to all be right. better. Yeah. Um, this, this question is, I always like to ask people this, it's a little hard to verbalize, but like, has there been a particular moment in your career where you've made something and you, you feel like you really got it right? Does that make sense? Like you were yeah. like, that really worked or yeah. what, what was that? Yeah. Mm, that's such a good question. Um, I, I, th yes. And, um, it's hard to talk about that, right? Cause mm -hmm. it means you have to congratulate yourself, which is always challenging to do for us because we always never think anything's good enough or never think anything's finished, right? Nothing's ever finished. Yeah. Um, I would say that, um, you know, recently I, I made a piece for Fire Island Dance Festival that featured James Whiteside, and I was very proud of the way that it turned out. And I think partially because it felt, it felt like me and it felt really honest, but it also was a departure in a sense that it, it was not necessarily my comfort zone, you know, working with, with a... I, w I don't want to call him a ballet dancer because I think he's way more than that. I think he's an actor. I think he's he can do anything. But I didn't know him. And so that's always scary, you mm -hmm. know, and he's so brilliant. And um, and I, I, I wanted to make something that wasn't necessarily super joyful. I wanted to make something that felt a little darker. Um, and it ended up being darkly comedic, which is, you know, I was very happy with the way that it came out. But it just sort of felt like a mixture of sort of the right formula and the right venue and the right moment. And it felt really honest and it felt really different. And so that always feels good to feel like you're doing something that's not necessarily what people expect or what I expect from myself, you know, because I think people, I've done a lot of work that is like really romantic and, um, and it was exciting to feel like I made something that connected to an audience, not just because it made them feel good, mm -hmm. but because maybe it made them think or made them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that, I felt really proud of. Did anything change about your process as you were making that piece? No, I think um, I think I invited James to be a part of m what my process is, mm -hmm. and he was incredibly open mm. to going on that ride from the very beginning, mm -hmm. and um, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. Um, so no, actually, it was actually really a tradition, very traditional process for me. Mm. It just the content matter and the the road was. Um, was different mm -hmm. as far as like what what I was trying to say. Mm -hmm. Are there ways that your process you feel like has changed over the years? I think I've just thankfully begun to trust myself more. But the hardest moment for me in every single process is the moment just before you're going to start. Mm -hmm. 
and I, I am pacing and I'm terrified and I'm ready to, I know I'm going to ruin everything and I don't know anything. That moment before you start making something mm. is just never gets any easier. Yeah. No matter who's in the room, it, it could be someone I've worked with a hundred times. I still always have that feeling of fear and self-doubt, unfortunately. But Have you heard that quote, to begin, begin? <laughs> no, I, I, I always say that. that to myself before the first day, like to, you know, cause that's all you can do to begin, begin. Yeah. Like, and, and admit that, and admit that you don't necessarily have the answers, right? right. Like I, I, you know, but I, it's mostly pressure that I put on myself and fear that like, I'm not going to be able to keep up with what I've already done. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a hard thing to feel. I, I've had to realize that I can't go into every process, um, wanting to make something better than the last thing that I made right. or wanting to like evolve that, you know, it's tricky. I think evolving sometimes means like being vulnerable enough to say like, you know, that maybe that wasn't successful as successful as I wanted it to be, or didn't do the thing that I wanted it to do. That's evolving as a person and as an artist, but that I can't expect my work to just constantly get quote unquote better. Right. Right. Do you feel a pressure to have like a style, like to have a, a look to your work or, you know, yeah, it's interesting. Like, I'm getting older, right? So, I mean, as everybody is. <laughs> it's interesting. I think people have, because I teach a lot, and I'm I'm fairly out there, right? People can come take my class, or they can come see my work. And I become aware that people have a certain idea of who I am. Mm-hmm. Plus social media, right? I, I mean, yeah. that's a huge part of how we present ourselves to the world and how people perceive us. Um, and so I do feel, yeah, like people have an idea of who I am or what I'm capable of or what I'm not capable of. Um and that's that's comes with it, right? I mean, I don't love that. Mm-hmm. I don't love that people assume that they know who I am or what I'm about mm-hmm. based on what my work has been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you ever feel like to have success though that you have to kind of define that for people, or do you feel able to do whatever you want? These are very good questions. <laughs> um, yes, I think in order for people to trust you initially, they have to know that you can do something, and they have to be able to like explain it. Mm-hmm. And, but I think for me, professionally anyway, I think my biggest asset is that I work really well with others and that I'm super adaptable and that I, in the sense that like I, I love feedback and I love notes and I love shifting. I I love being part of a a team of people that are trying to make something happen. Mm -hmm. You know, like Mm -hmm. I really thrive on that. I thrive on being in a room and having, uh, you know, limitations and having goals and having a time frame. Um, and so I think that if I wanted anyone, at least professionally, to have an idea of who I am, that's what I would want them to say. And also that I'm just easy to be around. I think I like, you know, like yeah. a fairly easygoing person. Um, as far as my work, you know, I think, um, yeah, it's it, it, in order for, I think, people to be interested in what you're doing, I think they have to have an idea of who you are so that they have something to connect to. Mm-hmm. I think the hope is that they... Um, you know, connect to the work enough to not expect it to always do the same thing. Right. So if I were the Capizio Ace Awards and I was like, let's do it again. Here's the money all over again right now. What, what would you, what would you do? Like what show would you put together right now? Right now? Yeah. A show? Um, or what would you do with that? Yeah. I think I, what I didn't know at the time then that I know now is, you know, I had this whole idea of what I knew, what I was going to do. And at the last minute, my boyfriend at the time was like, I think you need to make something. I was going to redo something, right? Mm-hmm. So I think you need to make something new. And I said, why? Why? You know, I was so defensive because I had I had it figured out. I already had the costumes. Like, I was, like, ready to go into mm-hmm. rehearsal. And he was like, because I just think that you're a different person now than you were when you made that other piece. And so what would I do now? You know, I think the lesson that I learned from that is that, you know, 
I am a different person than I was two weeks ago. I mean, life adjusts our point of view and where we're at. And I think if I had to make something right now, I think I would, as I did then, thankfully, because I, and thank you to him, I don't think I would have won if I had made something that I had already made, right? Because I made something really honest. So I think, if anything, I would just try to just make something that felt really honest to who I was right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what exactly that would be, I don't know, but I'll keep you posted. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, well, tell me some advice that you might have for some, you know, people up and coming choreographers that are trying to get started. Like, it's, it's, I don't know how you feel, but it is so, which you had sort of a unique gift, I think, with that, the ACE Award. But, you know, it's so hard to just get going, like get your name out there. And, you know, so what, what advice would you give people? I mean, I think, and I totally agree with you, but I also disagree with you in the sense that what I see now is because of social media and because of how quickly you can film something and edit something, so many people are just like getting their friends together in a studio and making something and, and, lab- and then making a Facebook page, so-and-so choreography. So that for That's me, true. it was so hard for me to even get people to attach the word choreographer to my name because mm-hmm. I was just this guy that was at you know, auditions that people knew from Chelsea Studios, um, you know, and, and, and I think to get people to trust you and, 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 and think of you as a choreographer at that time just felt really like it took a long time until I had that show, right? And then I do a show at Rosalind Ballroom and then suddenly people are like, oh, Al Blackstone, he's a choreographer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was incredibly lucky and I have no way complaining, but I do think that now it's like very easy to get your, you can make something and share it and, and people can see it. If I had advice, um, and again, like my journey was so blessed. Um, it would just, I think, not to be so quick to just constantly share everything that you're doing mm-hmm. is to really take the time to figure out what you're trying to say and, and, and take time to really make sure that you mean it and, and say some, I know that you're saying something mm-hmm. as opposed to doing something. Um, that would be my advice. I recently, you know, I, I have an interesting relationship with social media because, you know, we, uh, we could talk about that for hours, <laughs> but I recently, po- I try to only post like words, you know, that I really mean. And recently I, I posted that I was really grateful that when I was a little kid and I was in that studio and I was making up dances to Prince, um, that I couldn't film them and share them. And it's funny because a lot of people responded like, bah, ha, 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 totally, that would have been so embarrassing or like, mm-hmm. you know. But what I really meant was I was really grateful that I had a space that was just about me playing and it wasn't about anyone seeing it, you know, and I did that a lot and, and it wasn't about people liking it or not liking it or, or giving me heart emojis because they loved it or fire emojis because they thought it was fierce. It wasn't <laughs> about how other people perceived it. I was just doing it because it was honest. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people now, because we can get quick validation, want to make work and get validation for it. But there's so much more that you can do with choreography besides just get validation for it. Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, well, the last question I always ask is simply, why do we need dance in our lives? I think dance brings people together in a way similar to music that um, is probably the most honest, the most generous, and the most human. And it's interesting to spend your life as a dancer or a choreographer where your work is is attached to something that is so primal, right? That is, we're trying to sort of organize it in a way that we can make a living or organize it in a way to have a uh, a career and that's hard to do but i think at the base level of what we do um 
you know, dance should be for everyone. And we're lucky that we know enough about it that we can um, use it as a tool to do what we can to make the world better, whether that's entertaining someone or, or saying something political or, um, or just letting them forget what's going on or make them more aware of what's going on in the world. And I think especially right now in a time where people can agree on so little, I think that dance and entertainment and music is something that will continue to be something that we all have in common, both in this country and throughout the world. Well, Al, it's a really a privilege to be a peer of yours. I, I really think you are, of anyone in my generation, you are the, the beacon. Oh so I, I really wow. appreciate your, <laughs> your you work so and I Thank appreciate you. You, you talking to me. And um, yeah, I can't wait to see what's next. Thank you so much for having me. InStep is created by Broadway Dance Lab and recorded, edited, and hosted by Nick Kepley. You can listen to this podcast again, access our archives, and learn more about the company by visiting broadwaydancelab.org.